You know, these are, uh, these are important times for us, not uh, only in terms of what's going on in the world, and as I've been saying over the past few weeks, and sadly, it seems that each week uh, we could say, uh, as I said last week, and I think as I said the week before, that you know that the times we live in, the days in which we live, are really precarious and this is what I said last week and what I said the week before and maybe the week before that. I don't mean days like this era of time or the 21st century or even 2014, but today, this date is a precarious day in our world. And that is becoming sort of a theme uh, as we uh, pay attention to what's going on in the world. Now, at the same time, another thing going on in our world that most people are not aware of is that uh, the High Holy Days are coming, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, this period of time. Uh, and I think that it's important that we uh, understand these holy days in light of what's going on in the world and vice versa that we understand what's going on in the world in light of these, uh, these holy days. And then on top of that, here we are in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Now, uh, I know that we who live here will say what an important place it is that we live in. Uh, this is the 15th largest uh, metropolitan area in, uh, you know, in the United States. But if you ask most people who don't live around here, uh, important cities in the state of Ohio, Cleveland and Cincinnati, are, are going to be one and two. If you ask people around the world, you might get, Ohio, Ohio, what? What is that? Right? We might ask ourselves, what difference do we, and then in this city, here we are, a Messianic Jewish congregation, uh, which is you know, the only what we would call full-service, ethnically messianic Jewish congregation in central Ohio within uh, a two-hour drive of any direction, okay? Uh, we, uh, sometimes people will say, uh, like my relatives will ask me, of course, they frame everything in, in terms of like s traditional synagogue life, you know what I mean? Or normative synagogue life. How many families do you have? Not how many people attend or how many people are, how many families? And they, you know, they, they answer that you usually like, oh, you know, like 150 families, you know, or 100 families, right? Well, when we look around the room, we're happy when there's 100 people, right? And so here we are, this little congregation in the midst of this cauldron of this world, this tiny little speck in the, in the midst of a, this uh, world where the water is boiling over. What difference does it make uh, uh, for us when, we, when we're concerned about, you know, the things going on uh, uh, in our own lives and, and world? We need to recognize that not only is God bigger than we think, but we are bigger than we think. Not patting ourselves on the back or anything in particular, about us. But because of the faithfulness of God and the fact that we have a testimony and that we're here and that God has a calling for us, we make a big difference in this world. Now, 
that's our potential. Our potential is to make that difference, and, and that is who we are. The question is, do we accept that calling? Do we move forward in that calling, uh, or do we like to play it safe uh, and simply be happy and have a nice own egg and a good time was had by all? Uh, you know, uh, when, we are, when we play it safe, i.e. meaning trusting our own abilities and trusting who we are, uh, then, uh, you know, we'll be okay uh, who we are. But if we're trusting God for who we are, he has much bigger plans for us than anything we could ever uh, imagine for ourselves. When you think of the history of Israel, the Jewish people, when the Jewish people came out of Egypt, there was no self-understanding of God has a work for us to do to turn the world upside down. No, it was, you know, we liked it better in Egypt. What are we doing here? Let's go back to Egypt because we know where our next meal's coming from in Egypt, you know? Uh, but no, you see, God had something bigger uh, in mind. And over the next number of weeks, uh, throughout the High Holy Day season, we want to talk about that, uh, about uh, who we are in the big scheme of things. There is a book that I read a couple of years ago that made a big difference uh, for me in the way I frame everything. And you know, by the way, a little side note on that, we should always, all of us, be learning and growing and in the process of becoming and not think we have it all figured out, uh, you know, and the rest is butter, like sliding down the hill into the kingdom, so to speak. You know what I mean? So I read this book and it really challenged me in terms of the way I view uh, Beth Messiah in terms of programs, organization, and the like. Uh, as human beings, uh, you know, we, um, we need tactile things. We need things we can touch and feel and read uh, and get our arms around. And so that's why, you know, as humans, we need organization. We need uh, to, to uh, have a plan. Uh, we need to have uh, teams or, you know, depending on what decade it is, it's either a, a committee, a group, or a team. <laughs> but, you know, but we need those things. Structure, we need structure because we're human and that God made us that way and it's nothing wrong with that. But we need to recognize and always remember that the structure always is secondary to the purpose of the structure, okay? And so we are called to bring, to, to make a difference in this world, okay? But in order to make a difference in this world, in order to make a difference in this community, in order to make a, a difference in Columbus, Ohio, in order to make a difference in the, in the Jewish community, uh, we need to understand our calling to reach our people with Messiah Yeshua. We need to understand that God has called us to grow people. I mean, that's probably the best way to say it, in the, the, to grow people. 
That's what he's called us to do. Okay? If you ever wanted to, with, you know, when we're talking to ourselves, not you know, to the outside world, that, that may, might take some explanation. But to ourselves, and our self-understanding, what are we called to be? We're called to grow people. That's what we're called. That's what Beth Messiah is called to do. That's what the children's ministry is called to do. That's what brotherhood is called to do. That's what sisterhood is called to do. That's why we have services. That's why we have picnics. That's why we have social events. That's why we have a Torah study. That's why we have an oneg. It's all about growing people. That's every, everything is about growing uh, people. How that takes place, you know, is, uh, is uh, a, a, a story that, that needs to be uh, un- unpacked. Uh, but that's what we're called to do. And uh, it is something I believe uh, and that our leadership believes that God is calling us to do. Just like we read, you know, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, that you've stayed long enough at this mountain. It's time to move on. And he didn't just mean, now figure out a way, build a a strategy to get to the promised land. God already had the strategy. What they needed to do was understand that they were called to move and not be stagnant. And they were called to have the vision of that land in their minds and they needed to continue to put one foot in front of the other, and God would indeed bring the increase. And that's what we read in the New Covenant about growing people. We plant, we water, God gives the increase. But we need to know how to plant, we need to know how to water, right? So uh, it's important that we recognize that God has a great work for us to do. And you know, uh, in Matthew chapter 13, when Yeshua talked about the mystery of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13, that's where you have the famous passage about uh, the kingdom is like a mustard seed, right? You're familiar with that, I'm sure. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. Well, uh, it's not uh, about, did he really mean the tiniest seed uh, biologically that there is? Let's just say you're missing the, whatever that is, the forest from the trees, if, you know, if you're preoccupied with that. The point he's making is, Something really little can make a huge difference in this world. And we, God has called us to be like that mustard seed. The, the universal body of Messiah, but also us, to make a big difference uh, in this world. So where does that begin? Well, what a great time of year it is. As we are coming up to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. This is a time of year for us to take a communal inventory of who we are, sort of like a, a you know, uh, the gut check, you know? Uh, uh, who are we? What, who are we called to be? What are we called to do? Uh, and are we moving forward in that? It's one thing to go to the past and see where we've arrived at. And by all accounts... We've grown in every conceivable way from the 1970s. And you know, next year is our 40th anniversary. And the whole year is a special year for us, our 40th year. And you can mark your calendars. I'll tell you this, the last weekend of June, let's just say it's going to be a big weekend and you're going to want to be here the last weekend of June in 2015. Because that is going to be a huge celebration weekend of where we were, where we are, but I will say most importantly, where we're going. 
And it is just an exciting time to be part of what God is doing here at Beth Messiah Congregation. But it's got to begin, right? It's got to begin. And so here we are approaching the high holy days. And this is a great time, as I said, for us to prepare, to be ready for the calling that God has for us as we continue to move forward. Let's, let, and let me just say this as just a little, a little something. If you were at Beth Messiah at any time uh, in the decade of the 1970s, the goal was really at that time, in terms of the congregation, maybe we can move from a living room, you know, to uh, you know, to a, uh, uh, a you know, like a dining room, <laughs> or we can move from uh, one little flat to a, to a uh, to an apartment, <laughs> you know, uh, and then there was the 80s and 90s and and early 2000s and. You know what I'm talking about when I say you have to pinch yourself still a little bit to think where we were and where we are. But boy, that's just the beginning of where we're going, you know? And that's really, a, uh, when we talk about that in terms of Beth Messiah, that is really a microcosm of, the, of, of what God is doing. Remember what I said at the beginning that our whole life, this whole world is like a vestibule for the world to come. Like the, just the, the entryway of the world to come. God is always looking ahead in terms of uh, guiding and leading us. Always looking ahead. And so when God brought our people out of Egypt, he took them to uh, Mount Sinai. And the first thing they did at Mount Sinai was wait. Uh, you know, the first thing they did at Sinai was wait. Uh, the scripture tells us in uh, chapter 19 of Exodus that they needed to consecrate themselves to the Lord. And so this period of consecration, preparation before the big event, so to speak, or before the movement of God, is absolutely important. So, with that in mind, first let's talk a little bit about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot, what they, what they mean. How many of you, uh, this may determine how long the message is today, but anyway, how many of you uh, have never experienced Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur before? Anybody? Oh, okay, terrific. Okay, just a, just a couple. Okay, so uh, then you know. Uh, uh, for the vast majority of you, that uh, these are called the high holy days, right? And that when it comes to, uh, uh, first we'll say Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is uh, the day of atonement, and that is the day when we fast. That is the day when uh, uh, it's like Israel's national day of repentance, okay? Well, just before that, 10 days before that, is uh, Rosh Hashanah, and we read about we read about these holidays in a variety of places, but succinctly they're located in Leviticus chapter twenty-three, and it says here uh, in chapter twenty-three, in verse twenty-three, again the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a rest, uh, a reminder by the blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation." You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. That's all it says. That's all it says. It doesn't tell us exactly 
what to do other than blowing of trumpets. And in your Bible, of trumpets should be in italics in English because it doesn't even say that much in Hebrew. It's Yom HaTruah, the day of making a loud noise. In the most literal way, that's what that is, the day of making a loud noise. Okay? And so it says by trumpets or ram's horn. Okay? Now, in its context, we understand what this holiday is. This is the wake-up call. This is wake up and get yourselves ready for the next 10 days to the Day of Atonement. Right? So the wake-up call comes with one of these. A shofar. All right? Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, we use uh, a ram's horn, but the ram of any kosher animal is, uh, at least to our sages, uh, acceptable. Uh, and we blow the, the shofar. Now, you know, here at Beth Messiah, some of our well-meaning uh, 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 kindred uh, uh, who know the Lord and appreciate Jewish things come here and they get disappointed that we don't blow a shofar every week, right? I mean, I have had people really give me the look of disgust. Uh, you know, uh, there was a short period of time where we had... You know, leave your shofar at the door. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, because uh, we like to uh, do things uh, in a particular way, and generally speaking, according to the traditions of our people. We honor the traditions of our people. We don't trample all over them by just deciding whatever we're going to do is okay. Uh, and we don't blow a shofar except at this time of year. It's the only time. Because we want us to remember, we want ourselves to remember that sound on that day. Because you see, it's a wake-up call. Rosh Hashanah is basically a wake-up call. And uh, on that wake-up call, we begin the process of confessing sins, of going to one another and asking forgiveness uh, in preparation for the Day of Atonement. Because the whole is made up of individuals. And as we come as a people uh, uh, to uh, repent before God, we need to come to the day of repentance prepared. But that's not all. On uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, that's our day of, of, uh, uh, of, of our waking up and beginning the process of repentance. Uh, and then uh, there is uh, Yom Kippur, uh, renewal, you know. And then it leads to Sukkot. Uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is our restoration. It's like a journey that we take. And this, this journey of leading up to Rosh Hashanah, uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and Sukkot is like a microcosm of our whole life. It's like a little, a little bit of our whole life. And that is, we're on a journey. We are always on it. We are always moving as believers. We're always moving. Do you ever get that feeling since you've received Messiah that like God is always preparing, always getting ready for something? That's because our whole worldview shifts, even if we don't consciously figure that out. Uh, our worldview shifts. It's not just about the here and now. This is not all there is. And so God is constantly preparing us uh, and our whole life is one of moving from uh, wake up, repentance, renewal, restoration. Repentance, renewal, restoration. This is a constant that should be going on in our lives. We should never be stagnant uh, in, in that way. Okay? 
Uh, there's a lot of particulars we could talk about in terms of tradition. We'll be talking about those uh, during uh, the next number of weeks. But when we have our services for Rosh Hashanah, I hope you'll be here uh, and, uh, and that you'll be prepared. Not just coming to say, oh, let's watch how Messianic Jews do their thing. You know? You're right. Welcome to the Messianic Zoo, right? You know? I, I, that's not, uh, I, uh, of course, that does remind me of a Twilight Zone episode. But, but anyway, I, that's not what it is, right? When we come here, we're not, and we're also not coming here just to learn, I'm going to learn about Jewish roots. No, you're coming here to experience uh, interacting with the Lord as part of this Messianic Jewish community uh, in a way that God has called us to. Uh, and uh, uh, we need, again, to be prepared. Now, again, when we think about this preparation, I said Sinai, but you know, when Jacob left the land, God prepared him, you know, wrestling uh, with uh, the angel and so on. Uh, the conquest, do you remember when, uh, first of all, the entire book of Deuteronomy is uh, uh, Moses' last speeches to the children of Israel on the plains of Moab just before they entered the land. The entire book, uh, the entire book of Deuteronomy is Moses preparing the children of Israel to enter the land. May I suggest that the entire Torah itself is Moses preparing the people for 40 years to enter the land. And that what we call laws is actually a vision statement of life, of the life to come, living in the land with God. Uh, the building of the temple. When, uh, when Solomon was called to build the temple, you know, God gave, uh, gave him a, uh, a warning. And it's one of my uh, favorite passages, and I love to teach on it, but I'm just going to mention it. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 6, it's, it's, this is one of those chapters where you're, you're hard-pressed to find devotional material, okay? And we're talking about stairways, we're talking about nails, we're talking about beams and cubits, right? But right in the middle of the whole thing. And to me, the, the way this is written speaks just as much as what's written. So when you start reading 1 Kings 6, you know, you look at verse 6. The lowest story was five cubits wide, and the middle was six cubits wide, and the third was seven cubits wide. For on the outside, uh, he made offsets in the wall. Offsets, I Offsets in the wall of the house all around in order that the beams should not be inserted in the walls of the house. Amen. Okay. All right. Uh, and it goes on and on. Verse 8. The doorway for the lowest side chamber was on the right side of the house. And they would go up by winding stairs to the middle story from the middle of the third. From the middle to the third. Yeah. Okay. So you have verse after verse after verse. But then all of a sudden, uh, in, in fact, I'll read verse 10 and then the next couple of verses. So this is going on. The very same. He also built the stories against the whole house, each five cubits high. And they were fastened. Yes, fastened to the house with timbers of cedar. Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon saying, 
Concerning this house which you are building, if you will walk in my statutes and execute my ordinances and keep all my commandments by walking in them, then I will carry out my word with which I have spoken to David your father, and I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. Then, right after that, so Solomon built the house and he finished it. Then he built the walls of the house on the inside with boards of cedar. From the floor of the house to the ceiling, he overlaid the walls of the inside with wood. And he overlaid the floor of the house with uh, boards of cypress. In other words, this thing about if you keep my ways is interjected in. It'd be like me saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, we have uh, grass in the front of the building and we have a very nice little entryway and a nice little vestibule and a very nice uh, front area. And, you know, uh, we, we might want to think about paneling it or painting it. And by the way, unless you walk in my ways, unless we walk according to the Lord, it's all of no point. And so I will dwell, God will dwell with us as we are obedient to him, as we follow him, as we love him. And when you go down the hall, okay, uh, we might want to do something about the, uh, the, the carpeting and so on. But you see, these verses are interjected uh, 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 here. They, they scream at us, so to speak, uh, uh, that, that uh, in the midst of all of this building and planning and doing, God says, and don't forget, I am the Lord your God. Don't forget, using new covenant, die to self, live for the Lord, be imitators of God, and so on and, and so on. He doesn't say, forget about building the thing. He says, yes, do this and be really careful how you do it, but don't forget. And basically, we know what ultimately happens. They absolutely do forget. And that's why in the first chapter of Isaiah, God says, I hate your holidays. Don't bring me any more of those stinking offerings. I don't want them. Not because he didn't want them, but because their heart wasn't right. And what God really doesn't like is a facade. He really doesn't like that. Okay? Uh, And so that's why we have to always be prepared. That's why our whole life is one of preparation. That is why we plan for the future, but live as if the Lord is coming for us right now. Be prepared like we read about the parable of the ten virgins. Be ready because you never know the day and the hour. But on the other hand, plan as Yeshua uh, uh, taught us. Uh, and, uh, and so, even when you come to passages in the New Covenant about uh, the second coming, speaking of the, the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 24 uh, uh, and, and then in also then in chapter 25, the, the parable itself, uh, the, uh, the fact is, is that we should always be ready. God is always telling us to prepare and be ready. And so it's true whether we're talking about spiritual things or obviously um, the basics of life. In Luke chapter 14 in the New Covenant, when Yeshua is saying, Now, before you follow me, I want you to count the costs. What does he say there? He says, a good builder makes sure that he has the funding and makes sure he has the plans, you know, and the ability to build. Uh, Otherwise, it's all going to fall apart. And so count the cost. Be prepared. That's what Yeshua uh, is uh, is teaching there. 
Uh, and so always preparation. If you play sports, you have to be prepared. You have to practice. You need to learn the rules of the game. You need to be able to practice and practice and practice, okay? Uh, if you are uh, going to school to be a lawyer or a doctor or, or an accountant, uh, the, the big three, uh, right? Uh, you're preparing, you're going to school to prepare. Whatever you're going to prepare. But what if you play sports or go to school and you're working and you're working and you're working, but you never get in the game? You say, you know, I've learned it, I understand it, but I don't know about actually getting in the game. You know, I, I went to uh, medical school and I understand everything about the anatomy of the human body and, and my specialty and I know how to but I don't know if I can actually go in there and do it. Well, you see, God is always preparing us not simply to be prepared, but to get in the game, to go and do it. God did not prepare the children of Israel at Sinai for them to just simply be ready, but they actually received the Torah and God wanted them to move forward. When the children of Israel uh, entered into the land, and they had, to, they, had to, they had to consecrate themselves again, right? There was circumcision. There was a celebration of Passover as soon as they enter the land because their faith is going to be stretched in a million different ways as they move forward in the conquest. God didn't just want them to enter the land and stay there at, at, at Gilgal. He wanted them to move forward into the land. Do you know that when we read our Bibles and when we pray and when we come to services, we actually don't get little gold stars uh, for that. I don't know if you're, you're, aware, you're aware of that. Uh, that when we pray, when we read our Bibles and, and do like spiritual exercises, uh, they are not meant to be an end unto themselves. That is the preparation for engaging. That is the preparation for engaging this world. That is the preparation for... Uh, not only in the sense of, of engaging this world, but for me to engage my world, for Beth Messiah, for us to engage our world, for us to be able to move away from the mountain and, and move forward in the calling uh, that God has given to us. You know, there is a famous author a number of years ago, his name is Andrew Murray. Some of you might have heard of him. Uh, and uh, he wrote a series of books. Well, but they were 100 years ago. I have a, a few of them. Uh, and it's something like, I can't remember the exact beginning of the title, but it's like walking with God, then in the school of, in the school of obedience, in the school of prayer, in the, uh, you know, in the school of uh, fellowship. And, and these little uh, books were about the fact that we're constantly always uh, being uh, prepared. So, when we come to these uh, high holy days, they're like a microcosm. We are being prepared, prepared for another year. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot bring us to a place of, it's like the end of something and the beginning of something all at the same time. Uh, kickoff, you might say, uh, to walking with God in another, in another, for another year, taking a communal inventory of ourselves, repenting of our sins, confessing our sins, uh, forsaking them, having a vision for the future, and uh, indeed, indeed uh, moving on. Now, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and moving on, 
it wasn't just moving on spiritually, like just in the cycle of our yearly celebrations and events. In other words, when they were at Sinai and God gave them the Torah, and they were there basically in that general vicinity for a couple of years, okay, uh, God was not only concerned with, now make sure you're walking with me, I don't care about temporal things like the fact that you're in the wilderness or what you're doing, but as long as you confess your sins and as long as you read the Torah, the the laws that I'm giving you, and as long as you have good relationships with each other, it doesn't matter if you stay there, it doesn't matter if you move forward, no. You see, at the very same time that God was calling the children of Israel uh, uh, to a deeper walk with him, that's language we can all understand, right? Uh, he was also calling them to do something physically, like moving away from the mountain, literally. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a figure of speech. He wanted them to move away from the mountain, like, you know, like with distance, and to move in a particular direction uh, to a place that they could not see, but that God was leading them. Because as I've said before, and as you will hear again, When Moses looked one way, it was sand and horizon. And he looked the other way, it was people who wanted to go back to Egypt. What a calling for a leader, right? Moses knew that it wasn't good enough for them just to stay out of Egypt. That wasn't good enough. They needed to go forward, face the future, and move uh, in that uh, direction. And that is exactly what God calls us to do. We are living in a historical... We, we, we are human beings again, going back to the very beginning. Uh, and we are called to live within history. That means there really was a yesterday and there's really a tomorrow. It's not just about as long as I pray today, that's all God wants me to do. As long as I don't personally sin today, I can sit in my chair at home and that's the end of it. No, that's not enough. God has called us to do something and to be something historically in this world. Israel needed to move forward in that wilderness to go to the promised land. We also need to do that in our own lives and moving forward. We are always in the process of becoming. Someone said uh, to me not too long ago, you know, I've been coming to Beth Messiah for a long time. And over the years, we have sort of reinvented ourselves in certain ways. Uh, uh, you know, over the course of time. If you looked at Beth Messiah, just the way we did things and understood ourselves 35 years ago is different than the way we understand ourselves today. It just is. And that's called maturity. You know, that's called maturity and growth. It's not, uh, uh, you know, it's not a negative where we were, but you grow The Jewish community changes, our outreach changes, God is doing a work in our life, we changed. That's the dynamic, that's a a wonderful way to live, that we're we're never uh, stagnant, but always um, uh, moving, right? And uh, so let me just say this, uh, and and that is that, you know, um, if you're coming to Beth Messiah over and over and over again, and we do things a certain way, and you're saying, well, I wish we might try something a little different, just stick around. Okay, eventually, eventually, we're slow, but eventually, we get there, okay? Something important to know. So, let me just finish up by saying this today. Let us uh, be in this process over the next few weeks. 
when we're looking at, at these high holy days, let us recognize that this is a period of preparation for us. And let us all take the personal responsibility of being prepared. Of, uh, in our prayer lives, I'm going to say this. One, for some of us, I'll say this, pray. Because I'm guessing that there's a number of us that don't pray. We know all about prayer. We understand theology of prayer. We understand the meaning of prayer. But I'm going to say pray. Okay? Pray. Uh, take time and pray. pray. Lord, uh, open up my heart. Reveal to me, Lord, uh, where, where I need to uh, be changed. Reveal to me, Lord, the sins in my life so that I might be able to uh, uh, confess them to you. Lord, uh, I pray for everything I see on the news. Just watch the news and then pray. All right? Lord, I pray about what's going on in Iraq and Syria and, and Israel and and all over the Middle East, and what's going on in Europe, and Ukraine, and, and Russia, and, and Ebola. Isn't that enough? You could spend like hours uh, on that, right? So there's plenty to pray about outside of ourselves. God has called us to stand in the gap and pray. So let's pray about that. But since we're talking about preparation, let's pray, Lord, prepare me. Just, <laughs> Lord, prepare me for these important days. Search me and know me, Lord. Convict me, Lord. Help me to know you better, Lord. So let us pray. From what I know about the Bible and what it says, that if we all actually pray in a fervent way, if we all prayed a fervent way, that way, change would come to us. Now, when I say fervent, again, it's, this is the time of year where this is helpful. Tonight, Many of you will be watching the, the uh, football game. So I'm going to define fervent, okay? So you're watching this game, and let's say it's like the beginning of the fourth quarter, and the Buckeyes are only winning by three points or something. You know how you get some things you got to do by yourself, like watch those games, right, you know? You might get like, you know, you start eating a little <laughs> and, and, and your hands are getting a little sweaty, and you, maybe even stand up and yell at the TV right? Okay. Now, I say channel that emotion. Take that emotion, right? And say, Lord, change me. Lord, help me to be the man or woman whom you've called me to be. Lord, I pray for Beth Messiah. Lord, uh, help us to move forward in our vision of making a difference in our community. Lord, help me, Lord, to be uh, an equipper. Help me to be equipped. Help me, Lord, to be able to defer to one another. Help me, Lord, not to be um, one who impedes uh, a growth, but by one who fans the flames of it. Oh, uh, Lord, deepen my love for you. Help me, Lord, to even love you. Help me to fear you. Take that emotion, that fervor, and channel it into your relationship with God in prayer. You know, I'm going to steal a line from Henry Goulet, wherever he may be, Okay. Uh, you know, let no one outpray us. Henry's been uh, writing that recently in some communications, right? Let no one outpray us. Uh, and uh, may that be true not only uh, when we're talking about, you know, a family or a group of us, but all of us, let no one outpray us. And so let us pray over the next uh, few weeks. Let it become uh, something that we begin this process of engaging with as we approach this great 40th year 
uh, of uh, our uh, existence. And it's not a pat on the back, but it's saying, okay, the whole year is like a time of taking this inventory. You know, this is where we are. This is where we were. This is the faithfulness of God. And now this is where we're going. And so may it be, <laughs> this is a kickoff to uh, uh, an entire year of praying that kind of fervent prayer. Two, growing, a year of growing, praying and growing, growing. In order for us to be successful, it takes growth, spiritual growth. It can't happen without the praying, but it's not enough to just, okay, I prayed and that's enough, right? Uh, Moses, we could say, was mentoring or discipling the entire Jewish people about how to live successfully as the people of God. Uh, when he taught them the Torah. Uh, it is quite clear, I won't take, take the time, but you know, if you read through, if you sit and read uh, Paul's letter to Timothy, First Timothy, just read the letter, not like parse the verbs, or just read the first few sentences or something, just read it. Paul is preoccupied that Timothy would keep moving forward, that Timothy would teach and uh, and let no one uh, um, uh, let, let no one come against him that would cause him to be discouraged, but continue to teach uh, and continue to to uh, uh, cause growth in in people. What did Yeshua say? This is of course built on what Yeshua says, as everything Paul says is built on what Yeshua says, uh, and that is go and make disciples of all the nations, teach them, right. That's when we talk about discipleship, it's about teaching people, growing people. You know, when Ezra, there's a, a great verse in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10 about how Ezra came and taught. And you know what it says Ezra did? It says that uh, Ezra studied, practiced, practiced, and taught. Studied, practiced, and taught. Uh, and so may, may we be those kind of people because... Uh, and another place even, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, when Paul's uh, talking to them, he says, I was like a mother to you, nurturing you, and I was like a father to you, exhorting you, and pouring my whole being into you. He understood that the goal was not only for them to become Messiah followers, but in order for them to really do something in this world and make a difference, they needed to grow. They need to grow in their walk with God. And so let us begin that process of praying, be in the word uh, uh, of God, study uh, uh, the word of God, make this a habit in your life uh, uh, and pray that God would give you a fervent desire for these things to grow in your walk with the Lord. And that comes in varieties of ways, not just reading the Bible, but even reading um, a, a book about spiritual growth or, or, or engaging other people and, and uh, meeting with others and, and studying the word of God together and uh, uh, taking classes that we offer uh, at MSI or the Torah study or Chavurah groups and all those kinds of relational uh, uh, opportunities. And then finally, doing. So praying, growing, and doing. In other words, move forward, act, get in the game. And that comes in a variety of ways. Sometimes we might say, well, there's nothing to do here because it seems that all of the, all the jobs are taken up. What can I do here? See, that is the, that's the wrong thinking. The right thinking is, 
I can call somebody. I can get to know uh, somebody here and, uh, and get to know them and, and pray for them. That is what we do. It's not about having a particular job or, uh, uh, you know, being on a committee or, uh, you know, being a greeter or uh, this or that. No. Uh, how do we engage? How do we, what, what do we do? How do we jump in the water? How do we enter the game? How do we begin the, the, the doing? We just, as they say, just do it, you know? And that means engage someone. Engage someone. Talk to them about the Bible. Say, you know, I see you at the Yone. At the Yone. Sit down with someone and, and get to know them, you know, and, and build a relationship. Uh, there's that. There is uh, sharing the Messiah with a friend or a coworker. Uh, there is just saying, oh, let me pray for you, coworker. You know, I, I know that uh, you have some issues in your life, not, you know, uh, you know, not to be uh, presumptuous to them, but, but just well, let me pray for you. You know, that kind of thing. And then, and then we think about that even congregationally. So where are we going? What are we doing? And that's what leadership does. Leadership of the congregation. We think not just in terms of me or myself or this one or that one, but we, where are we going? And, uh, and so that's what, what we're engaged in. Praying, growing, and doing. May this be a season of high holy days like none other. But that's only going to happen if we all take that responsibility. You know, uh, just like Paul says in Ephesians, the, for the building to grow, uh, it takes the proper working of each individual part. And that's you and me. And so what, uh, you know, what a time to be alive. When we look at the world around us, the world needs this little mustard seed more than it needs anything else. Uh, and, and when we think about the fact that, wow, that's who we are, let us be energized and recognize the great work that God has called us uh, to do. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you, God, for Rosh Hashanah. Lord, may we indeed be prepared. May we indeed be prepared, Lord, for, to move forward in the calling that you have given to us. And Lord, over the next number of weeks, as we take all of this apart, what, what I've been saying today, Lord, I pray, God, that we might really get it. And Lord, I pray that we would not always simply wait for someone to do something, but that we might go and do. We might share the good news of Messiah with someone. We might share with someone that there's no other name under heaven but Yeshua HaMashiach, and there's no other word of God but this. Lord, and I pray, God, uh, that we would be able to make that difference uh, in ways that we can't even fathom. But Lord, may we just keep moving forward. May we keep putting one foot in front of the other. May we make sure we're moving in the right direction. And Lord, um, may we uh, yield to you and your word. And may we show up, Lord, and watch and see what you will do. May we walk circumspectly. May we be careful in our holiness. May we live within the boundaries of uh, your moral and ethical calling upon us. And uh, Lord, uh, may you use us mightily. We thank you, God. We thank you for Yeshua, who began this process in his death and resurrection and the pouring out of the Ruach HaKodesh. And we pray in Messiah's name.